Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for this week's episode with the one and only Sarah Prout. Sarah is a, a friend who I'm super inspired by because Sarah actually went from one of the most challenging lows, literally surviving an abusive relationship, uh, a mother of four children, and she went from literally nothing and having to escape that context to amassing a community of millions of people around this notion of the journey to manifesting. And, you know, I've, I've had some questions around the efficacy of manifesting, and but this is someone who clearly demonstrated in her own life that she was working with some very profound tools. And so I was eager to sort of sit down with her and understand a little bit more of how you go from uh, a really challenging low to a place where you've literally created uh, a life of your dreams, because I think obviously that can be of service to everyone in this community. And so I asked her if she'd be willing to sit down, and, and she was gracious enough a couple months ago. She actually sent me her book, which uh, I highly recommend, and I basically started going through this notion of what I would see as sort of retooling your mindset and sowing the seeds for kind of a new garden of possibility. And I think you'll be blown away by the conversation. Uh, it was incredibly uh, enlightening for me, and I've started to apply some of the tools and mindset um, kind of instructions that I garnered from uh, from Sarah. So I'm really excited for today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Foria Wellness. Uh, Foria is one of my favorite products. I reached out to the founder, Matt, who I've known for years because I had done a bunch of research uh, into uh, CBD because I keep, kept seeing it pop up in the wellness community. But I also knew that as a, as a kind of remediator of toxins from the soil, the quality of, of the product was essential. And so I reached out to Matt, who's one of the sort of most hardcore people I know in regards to purity and quality, and uh, asked him about Foria and started using the product, uh, use it on a daily basis and love it. They have a full spectrum uh, CBD blend called Basics uh, that I absolutely love and it uses all organic products, organic MCT oil, full spectrum uh, aspects of the plant. And I've noticed a real uh, consequence on my just anytime I'm feeling a little bit anxious or just my overall well-being. So highly recommend you check them out. You can visit them at foria, F-O-R-I-A, wellness.com. And if you put in peak, you can get 20% off any of their products. Um, so check them out, foriawellness.com, peak for 20% off. This episode is also brought to you by Thrive Probiotics. Thrive, uh, I was really excited by because they've done clinical trials on their probiotics. And again, here's an instance where quality uh, is definitive in efficacy. And they have an incredible probiotic, which I take daily, uh, as well as uh, it's, it's also infused with antioxidants. And so I've been really impressed with their product. 
and reached out to them and they also uh, offer to support the podcast and offer the community uh, 15% off. So if you go to thriveprobiotic.com, which I'll link up below in the show notes and put in peak, you will also get 15% off your order. Check out their website as well. Uh, Really fascinating links to the various clinical trials they've done. And as we know, the gut is our enteric nervous system. It's our second brain and has uh, profound consequences on our overall health and well-being. So check them out, Thrive Probiotic, and, um, and put in peak for discount. And without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce Sarah Prout. All right, I'm here with the one and only Sarah Prout. Sarah, it's uh, a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. This is very exciting. Yes, Sarah and I met uh, not long ago, actually. Um, She was in town uh, for a Mind Valley conference here in Los Angeles, and we uh, sat together uh, for for some time, and I really, I just really enjoyed your 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 energy and your perspective. And she was gracious enough to send me her book, which I've uh, I've delved deep into, and I'll, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. But um, we got on a call, and anyway, I'm I'm very excited to uh, to have you on the show and to learn more because, to be frank, as a Midwesterner, I you know this notion of manifestation is a I wouldn't say it's a newer concept, but it's one I'm still wrapping my head around. And so it's exciting, especially given your background and experience to to speak with you today. Yeah, I'm so excited as well. I mean, this is a great opportunity to showcase the possibilities. Yeah. So for, for the benefit of our audience, one of the things that I resonated with the most, to be totally frank, was... Um, the, where you came from, and and you know, I think everyone can relate to the fact of, of having times in our life where we were, you know, sort of besieged with challenges, um, and mm-hmm. and kind of um, where we where things may have felt hopeless, or or we were really looking for kind of a lifeline. Can you just can you take me back to to sort of where you were before this whole this whole journey of 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 meditation and manifestation? Sure. So I've always had an interest in meditation and the more mystical sides of life. But I found myself in a 10-year marriage that had the theme of domestic violence. So about 10 years ago, I left that toxic relationship behind me. And I had to get curious about being in survival mode, how I would cope, how I would face each day, how I would put food on the table for my two children. So when I left, when I was finally brave enough to leave, I left with nothing. I had two suitcases and over $30,000 worth of debt and two small children. So I was really in that fight or flight survival mode where I was challenged to face each day with two options. It was either allow the fear to consume me or figure out a more creative way to get curious about how I could attract the abundance that I needed to survive. Wow. So take heading back (laughs) to that place. Um, what what were your first steps? Because I can I can relate I can relate. Of, um, I ha- I, did, I haven't had an experience of domestic violence, nor could I really even, you know, really imagine what that would be like. And I, 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 unfortunately, there are folks who have um, had those kinds of experiences, and one of my former partners had. And and mm-hmm. I think it's so powerful that you were able to lift yourself out and escape. First of all, I want to honor you for that uh, from, from a situation where you were not being honored. But, but, but in that context, especially with two children, which makes it even more complex and complicated, um, mm-hmm. 
what were your first steps in really uh, creating a new reality for yourself? It was really out of necessity, and it was the awareness that I was in control of guiding my energy and my emotions. So when there, there were some days that there, were, there was nothing to feed the children, and so I felt powerless. But I had to get curious about what that lesson was teaching me. And I, I truly believe that uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. And so you get creative when you are faced with limitations. And we know that throughout time with artists in particular, some of the most brilliant artists worked with a very uh, limited palette and very limited tools, but they came up with the most extraordinary masterpieces. So I decided, okay, I'm going to work with what I have, all of my faculties, the, the ones that I can see, and then the intangible ones as well, and see what ultimately manifests. So it began for me with gratitude and facing adversity with a sense of appreciation. And I know that sounds a bit sick and twisted, but when I was out on my own and I didn't have any food and I didn't have a fridge or a washing machine or any of those modern comforts, I felt so free because if I allowed the fear to override what I was currently experiencing, then leaving meant nothing. And I couldn't do that to my children because I had to lead with the love that they needed to see. Yeah. So powerful. <laughs> so a few things were evoked for me. One was it, it, an extreme example. It reminded me of uh, Victor Franklin, Man's Search for Meaning, and, and being in the most horrific of circumstance, but choosing to define your reality and really that, that notion of, of personal agency as the, mm-hmm. as the ultimate freedom, so, something no one can take away from you. And I think it's so powerful that your why was so clear as it related to the love that you needed to demonstrate uh, in terms of who you wanted to be for your children, that even regardless of circumstance, you defaulted back to that which we, we all can default to, which is, which is gratitude. And it's, it's almost impossible to, to be in a state of uh, depression or judgment, et cetera, when you're, when you're going back and returning to gratitude. So such a powerful mindset. How, how were you able to build, if you will, uh, sort of build the muscle, the new muscle of gratitude? And how did that wind up serving you as you started to sort of stack the, the bricks, if you will, for, for creating this, this new life? Mm, that's, that's a great question it, it didn't happen every day I want to be really clear that there were some days that I was so angry with life that I ended up in this situation how did I allow this to go on for so long you know there were there were the down days but it was giving myself permission to feel whatever was coming up and not making it worse than it was that I began to allow myself to get comfortable with the uncertainty and this, this really formed the foundation of what I teach millions of people today, is that if you can face anything, if you can face uncertainty with a sense of trust and curiosity and conscious awareness and perspective, then you can literally survive anything that life throws at you. Mm, so beautiful. So so. I like that you actually were like, you know, kind of went real talk and like kept it up. You're like, yo, well, not every day by <laughs> gratitude. Um, and I think I can relate to that. I think especially, um, uh, you know, there's there's this notion of sort of spiritual bypassing where it's like, mm-hmm. and I, I know for myself, I had uh, some some latent anger from from my own mistreatments in life um, that I I kind of sort of just buried deep down and finding that. I think finding a, a safe space in which to 
express um, some of those latent emotions, I think, is, is, is integral because if we, if we deny them, ultimately they, they, they metastasize and manifest in ways that are, that are not the healthiest uh, in our bodies and systems. So I, I, I also think it's, I love that you both went to gratitude and also that you acknowledged that, hang on, real talk. Uh, yeah. I had some anger. I had some other things come up for me, and uh, and I and I was present with that. Um, so okay, beautiful. So so tell me a little bit more. You have you have these two kids. Are you in Australia at this point in time? Yeah, I was living in Australia. I'd actually moved states. So I moved further up north to be by the beach. So I lived in like the worst house that I could. That was on a really beautiful street near the beach. So I lived in virtual poverty. I was living on less than $10 a day. So it was, it was really scary. So we didn't have any heat. We didn't have any air conditioning when we needed it. Uh, and and it, was, it was so beautiful, though, at the same time. And, and I, I look at that time in my life and think, oh, my gosh, it was such a blessing, such a blessing that I was able to get there. And if I ask my kids now, hey, do you remember when we just had, like, ketchup sandwiches for a week at a time? They, they thought of it as an adventure. And I think the way that we represent the hardship as well is how it's framed up and, and remembered in our minds. Wow. So what was the, what was your way of being and what was the story you were sharing with your children? Because I mean, that's, that's, it's quite phenomenal that they mm-hmm. look back and saw it in, the, in with those eyes, you know, as an adventure. What was, what was your way of being um, during those times um, that you were able to create that frame such that they didn't see that hardship as a trauma, but rather as an adventure? It was really a moment-by-moment basis. I remember I called up my mother and I said, look, Mom, I'm having a really tough time. What do I do? Because the banks are wanting money from me that I don't have and they're going to switch the electricity off. And she said, just take one day at a time. And that was the philosophy that I still use to this very day, that just take one day at a time. Sometimes it was even one moment at a time to take a breath and go, okay, this moment I'm okay. I've got everything I need. Uh, you know, I've got clean clothes on my back. I've got, you know, my kids are safe. And it was just taking those micro moments of gratitude and working with them. So let's just say uh, it started to rain and the kids and I had gone down to the store to buy some bread and we didn't have a car or we didn't have an umbrella. We would make an adventure that splash in the puddles and, you know, laugh and giggle and just be together. And it's that presence of appreciation that we had that moment. And that's what we could work with. No, it's beautiful. It, it evokes for me. There's a, there's a, a story. I don't know if you actually watched. There's there's two things that come up for me. One is there's there's this a story of resilience where uh, this this book where this Navy SEAL tries to bring his friend who's basically descended into alcoholism after after leaving the service. He basically mm-hmm. tries to bring him back to life by uh, re- reminding him of of sort of who he was at, at his core. But, but he talks in that process about this notion of, of segmenting and just stacking, you know, this, this exact uh, sort of uh, tool that you're sharing, I think, which is so valuable for the audience, which is, you know, how do you stack one day or if you need to, one moment at a time? And there, it also reminds me of this. I don't know if you ever heard the story of, of uh, I think it's called Enter the Void. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll remember the name of the film, but basically where this gentleman was left for dead at the top of a, of a mountain after falling into a glacier and literally mm-hmm. had broken his femur in half and was left, basically left for dead. 
and wound up climbing down. And the only way he was able to do it, I mean, if you can imagine walking down a mountain by yourself, thinking that you were left for dead, uh, was to was to break those steps down, which were obviously each step would be excruciatingly excruciatingly painful, but to break those down into ten foot increments. So his goal oh. was literally just to make it the next ten feet, um, and he was able to to get down and and actually wound up uh, wound up wound up living and and thriving. But I think that that tool of of segmenting and taking things uh, a day at a time. And, and if necessary, a moment at a time is, is one of the tools that I, I default back to um, in addition to gratitude it's whenever I'm sort of um, in a mental funk or, or need to, you know, start developing that, that, that new pathway um, towards, towards a new future. So I, I, I love, I love that, I love that you did that. And, and so as, as you're, as you're in this new home with, with, with your children, what, what did you, what were the steps that you took to wind up getting back on your feet? Cause I think as someone who's also lost everything and gone into debt, I can relate to, you know, it's, it's, it sometimes feels really daunting and it's, and it's hard to maintain that mindset when you're, when you're, you know, besieged by challenges and I know now you're in a very different uh, place, but w- what was it that you started to do to to stack or segment your days such that you, you started to dig yourself out of that hole and, and create this, this new reality? Mm, that's a great question. So just rewinding a little bit to the reason why I left my first marriage, it was because I started to find my voice through connecting with other people on social media. So this was back in like 2009, early 2010. And so when I found myself in my little apartment as a single mother on welfare, I had an internet connection and I had a laptop. And those two things were tools that I could use to ultimately pave my new way to freedom. So I was sharing my struggles. I wasn't sharing all of them. So I was still really good at putting on my brave face and saying, everything's okay. But I was connecting with people and teaching them about how to use their voice authentically on social media. And so back in 2009, I had over 20,000 followers on Twitter. And they they were all attracted to me because I was connecting with people. I was conversing. And slowly I began to build this following. And through being vulnerable and sharing and being of service to other people, I started to see, okay, maybe I could turn this into a way of making money. And so I was uh, teaching people how they could optimize more authentic influence on their websites. And that was a way that I started to get a little bit of a cash flow. And I was connecting with a friend of mine that I'd met on Twitter who lived in Hollywood at the time. And then it was like a light switch went off and we were friends for about a year and he flew out from Hollywood to Australia for an 11-day blind date, and he never left. <laughs> <laughs> he became my husband and my business partner, and we, he didn't have a penny to his name. He used all the money he had in, in the world to fly out to Australia to be with me. And uh, we decided, okay, how am I going to split my welfare check, that $10 a day, just a little bit further for one more mouth to feed? And we had to get creative, so we put our heads together and we created a business. And the first invention of my brand was actually a publishing company. So um, slowly but surely, we created a compilation book model where people would pay us to have their stories put in a book that we would compile. And we had teachers from The Secret that donated chapters. And I think the first year we did $80,000, and then the second year we did $250,000. And I just remember that day I had to call up the welfare office and say, hey, you can keep your checks. I'm okay now. 
<laughs> it was like it was the best full circle moment of okay I got myself out of this and it was such a beautiful opportunity in a new relationship where I was processing the the trauma of my previous 10 years and getting divorced and all of that kind of thing and and being with this man who was showing up to love me unconditionally because I believe that we came together to serve a greater mission and vision in the world and so he was my ultimate reward from the universe for the bravery that I had to have to leave that 10 years. Mm, beautiful. Mm. Yeah, and <laughs> you, uh, you, you mentioned the universe and I know, you know, your book is, is dear universe and you sort of, um, in, in your process really call out to this notion of something beyond the self, right? You're not, you're not saying dear Sarah, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's dear universe. So, it's, it's, I, I started to go into it. I was grateful that you sent it to me and, you know, to, to speak plainly as a, as a Midwesterner, you know, this notion of manifestation and, and speaking out to the universe, it's not foreign to me by any means, but it's still something I think like many people that I'm really coming to terms with because all of us obviously have, have, have grown up with this particular notion of, um, reality as defined by sort of our school systems, you know, based in the scientific method or what have you, but yet also see these moments of, um, of things coming into our life and synchronicities or whatnot that seemingly have no correlation um, and appear to be magic. And so this notion of manifestation has occurred to me as really interesting, especially as I've deepened my meditation practice, because um, what I've found is that as my mindset has shifted, I don't know if you can call it manifestation, but as my mindset has shifted, things have occurred to me uh, or come to me with greater ease. And to me, it's this notion of, and I have really embraced this notion of alignment, right? So to me, that's how am I acting in congruence with my vision and my values, and I find that as I am in alignment, the world unfolds to me or the universe unfolds to me in, in really beautiful ways with, with, with really incredible opportunities. Small case in point, right after I saw you, I hosted a dinner party for which there was no personal agenda or benefit. And there were times at which I wanted to give up because I didn't know if, if the co-host and I were, were entirely aligned in our, in our mission. But I decided I gave my word and I would stick it through. And at that dinner came uh, the founder of Upgrade Labs. And, um, yeah. and we wound up hitting it off. And then this past weekend, he actually invited me as his guest. And I cannot tell you, Sarah, the number of people that I met there and the ways in which I think it will ultimately change my life. But that yeah. came for me from a process of being my word, which is one of my values, and mm -hmm. being in alignment. And so I don't know if that's manifesting, but I'd love to get a greater understanding for folks like myself who may not be deeply entrenched in this world on, on what it means to, if you will, uh, manifest and, and mm -hmm. how that whole process works. Okay. That's another great question. Oh, this is really fun. So there is this beautiful bridge, I believe, between science and spirituality. And I believe that everything that unfolds in your reality is a manifestation. So a manifestation is the ability to take your next breath, to blink your eyelids, to move your body, and then to have your awareness that you can perceive the world around you in a way that you choose. So you can guide your energy and your emotions. That's my perspective on manifesting. 
A lot of other law of attraction and manifesting teachers out there believe that thoughts become things. Whereas through my work over the last 10 years and my nearly 40 years uh, on this planet, it's really apparent to me that our emotions are what manifests, that our emotions are the manifestations. And this brings me back to my work in Dear Universe and the 200 emotions that are listed in there that invite people to tune into how they're feeling so that that alignment piece can come in that you just said, that when we attract when we, our energy is high, you might have heard people talking about the vibes being high or good vibes, bad vibes, low vibes. Yeah. Well, that's just a reminder. And I know it's a buzz phrase in a lot of spiritual communities, but that's just a way of saying that everything is energy. There is nothing on this planet, seen or unseen, that isn't energetic at its core source, its core nature. If you put anything under a powerful enough microscope, it's moving. We live in a literal ocean of motion, I like to call it, because everything's buzzing and oscillating at a specific frequency. So whether it's your thoughts, your feelings, a rock, you know, a teaspoon, whatever it is, it's all vibrating. And the way it works is that the like energy, the at a very atomic at the atomic level, is attracted to each other. So this is the law of attraction. It clumps together and it creates an outcome. So you may have heard before birds of a feather flock together. It's the same with energy. And so when you are vibrating at a specific frequency or your energy is fixated at a certain point, then you will attract that into your experience. And we know this because in our brains, we're wired to look for things that are brought to our attention. So, for example, if I say to you, look for things around your room right now that are the color blue, you're going to see all of the blue things standing out because it's been activated in a part of your brain called the reticular activating system. So, like, it, it's it's the awareness that you bring to it, though. So, so much meaning, though, in the spiritual community has been placed on things that actually have no importance whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that very flippantly and yeah. tongue-in-cheek, very playfully, because it, it's true. We, we get so attached to wanting to understand the bigger mysteries of life, but what if they don't matter? What if the real point is being here now? What if we don't have to figure out what certain signs mean or, you know, whether we're destined to meet our soulmate? What if our sole responsibility was to take ownership of how we feel in each moment? Because I can, I can tell you through the thousands upon thousands of people I've worked with over the years, the, the failure of relationships or not having a life that has meaning or addictions, and I know that's a much bigger conversation, it all stems from not taking ownership and allowing yourself to feel whatever's coming up. Wow. It's a, it's a big conversation. I, but, no, I so, yeah. I, I so resonate with that because um, this notion of following your feelings, I remember when I moved from New York, uh, uh, I moved to Los Angeles, I had left a, a previous chapter, which was highly enriching in a variety of ways, um, intellectually stimulating, societally kind of appreciated and approved. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't feel entirely at aligned and at integrity with, um, sort of life at the time. And I was holding my friend's beautiful newborn son. And I was amidst as many of us, uh, you know, fall into this period of transition and he asked me a very potent question. And this is a, you know, these are wonderful friends to have because my friend Eric, you know, he, he doesn't, uh, he, he always says what's on his mind and speaks his truth, even and especially mm -hmm. when it's uncomfortable. 
But in that, <laughs> in that particular moment, he said, how do you want to feel every day? Yeah. And I don't know why that particular question hit me the way it did, but they're holding his newborn son and thinking about ultimately becoming a father. If I, if, you know, if I'm lucky enough one day and, and, and ultimately feeling that, that sense of love to me, that feeling was, was the most important. And that ultimately is actually what led me to come out to, to LA, which for me was a feeling of being connected to nature and being mm -hmm. in a healthier environment and being more aligned to some, some of the ways in which, frankly, I wanted to feel being able to go in the ocean every day, which, which, which makes me feel alive, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, th there's that quote, which I love by Howard Thurman, which is don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what, what the world really needs is for people to come alive. And I feel like following your feeling is a really clear indicator of what makes you come alive. Um, and so, you know, the, the piece that I haven't been able to get down with in the law of attraction is this notion of if you just think about something, it's going to happen, right? Because it's like, I know plenty of people here in Venice, California that are sitting on their couches thinking about things and it, <laughs> and it definitely oh, no. isn't manifesting. So, so can you delve <laughs> a little deeper into this notion of feeling and how if you align your heart, which to me feeling feeling comes from, from at least in my mind, it comes from the heart, although with the new science around our enteric nervous systems and this mm -hmm. notion of following your gut and the, and the gut being the second brain, perhaps it's, perhaps it's a more holistic uh, consideration. But for, for, the, for the purposes of our conversation, this notion of alignment of, of gut, head, and heart, how that, how that plays in, in manifestation. Oh, I love that. I, I, I think, think that the gut, gut is actually, actually the second heart. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, like not so much the brain, but the gut, because it's those gut feelings that are telling you all the time. It's this beautiful feedback system that, you know, for every action is a reaction. For every intention, there's an answer that shows up and manifests into your reality. And the, the key piece, especially in the, the personal development self-help industry, we've had this notion that if you have a negative feeling, then you sweep it under the rug. You don't give it any attention. You don't look at it. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist. It's the big pink elephant in the corner of the room. But what if you showed up to that negative emotion with a sense of compassion and curiosity? What if you softened that experience and then you move through that? And so in terms of blockages in the flow of what's possible to manifest, it's showing up to that adversity, that negativity, or that shadow side of life with that sense of curiosity. So from what I found in my experience, the overriding beauty of feelings becoming your reality is that you need to be open to all possibilities. So when you're creating that vision board, and I, I'm not sure whether your listeners right now have created vision boards or not, but it's very much focused on the materialistic for most people when it comes to vision boards, what the soulmate looks like or what the dream house looks like or the sports car, but it's not how you feel when you are immersed in that reality. So it's very important to feel your way to success and to feel successful right now because the most pivotal point of power anybody has is right now in this moment. Because the next one, you, who knows whether we're going to be granted or blessed with the next one. You don't know. Nobody knows. Wow. <laughs> so so you so you evoked a conversation I had um, that was you just brought it right up to the surface where someone asked me, you know, what are the traits of your ideal partner, right? Which I think 
anyone can relate to, no matter mm-hmm. no matter where you are, if you're single, if you're if you're with your partner. And, you know, I had done the exercises and written down, you know, I probably had like a, almost like a three page list of all the things, you know, my intellect wanted in my ideal partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and it was asked by a gentleman who was very clearly in a very loving relationship that lit mm-hmm. him up. And he listened intently, uh, gave me my space to sort of share my thoughts, which, which frankly were wonderful thoughts. But what he said next was so enlightening to me. And he said, that sounds beautiful. Uh, I don't know about all that. But what I can tell you is that with my partner, when she walks in the room, the whole room comes alive. <laughs> every night before I go to sleep and every morning when I wake up, we're laughing. And it was such a powerful statement because what it evoked for me was the feeling, right? Like it was, it wasn't this, you know, it wasn't this, oh, you know, six feet tall or whatever, intelligent, (laughs) like what it wasn't like, it wasn't this, like, you know, this whole list. It was the feeling of like, oh yeah, you know, what would it be like to be with someone who made you laugh? You know, and what I've seen with my mom, my mom, my dad have been together almost 50 years. And it's not, frankly, sexy at this part, point in time in their life. But one of the things <laughs> I admire most about my mother is she has my dad's back unequivocally, even as he contends with dementia. And I think yeah. that feeling of knowing someone has your back. So so what you say about that feeling to me, it, it makes it, it really resonates and makes so much sense. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think many of us, there was a couple, as I was preparing for, for our, our time together, there were two core areas, as I, and I spoke to a couple friends, that I think many of us are really, really keen on as it relates to, if you will, manifesting in our lives. And one mm-hmm. is around partnership and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the potentiality of, of, of romantic partnership and our ideal partner. Maybe the best, biggest decision we make in our lives is who we choose to spend our, our life with. And the mm-hmm. second would be, and I'm very curious about this given your personal experience, and, and forgive me for asking two questions at once, you can approach it however you like, but would be how did you go from you know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt to now, as I understand it, running a multi-million dollar company? Like what, what is it that enables the financial manifestation and abundance? And, and I know that that is not without work, by the way. I know that's not just sitting <laughs> in the corner thinking about being uh, a, a building abundance, but w- those two areas, if you can s- sort of delve deeply into manifestation on, as it relates to partnership and manifestation as it relates to financial abundance, um, I would love it. Okay. Oh, these are great questions. Okay. So manifestation in relationship to the love aspect of your purpose here on earth is that we grow through relationships. So we ultimately want to be open to attracting somebody that we can create this beautiful mutual support system. I feel like this is so often overlooked that as a partner, you're willing to put your hand up and say, Hey, universe, God, whatever you call it, life. I'm here, I'm showing up, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to feel good in this moment. And, and when you say, you know, you've got two pages or whatever of the, the attributes of this, this mystical soulmate that's out there somewhere, you have to be very careful that it's not creating rules around it. Because if that person shows up and they're like two inches shorter or not blonde or brunette or whatever it is, then 
you, you shut yourself up to potentially seeing that as an option. And like I say, manifestation is about being open to all possibilities. And as since we're here on earth to learn and to grow and to expand in consciousness as human beings, we're going to get tested. <laughs> and I found this with my own rules about attracting love because when I was single, I vowed that I would never date a younger man. There was no way in the world I would date a younger man. I just knew that that's not what I wanted and on all my lists, my vision board, everything that I had, you know, believed, I thought no younger man. And then Sean, my husband shows up and he's five years younger than me. (laughs) And I said no to that. I wouldn't be, you know, nearly six years married to this man and raising four beautiful children. So it's getting curious about our own blind spots. Like where are areas in our lives that we need to open up more? And then that edges you closer. The other thing is to switch the perspective on the soulmate relationship. So, so often we're so focused on finding our one, right? What if we flip the perspective and we thought about where our one is out there in the world that's waiting for us? How can we prepare ourselves right now to be the best version of who we are going to be in a partnership, in a sacred union? And when you make that switch and you're thinking about that person out there, and you're creating space in your own life to share your life in union with somebody else, then you watch that magic happen. So that, that's one part of it. Like I said, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> so like, hey. I, want, I want to keep asking. Yes, I, I, I feel like you could. I, but it's so valuable because it's like so, it's so central to, I think, what so many of us you know, yearn for and mm-hmm. – what you're saying, it's interesting. It's like what you said earlier, right? If you program my mind to say, look for the color blue, mm-hmm. and I look around my room, I'll see the color blue. Well, if yeah. I write down a list of, of, of let's call it 100 prerequisites, mm-hmm. well, I'm not going to see anyone in that field who doesn't fit those 100 prerequisites, which means basically I likely will bypass over my person potentially because I'm looking, I've, I've so narrowed my scope of what I'm looking for. As opposed to, as I'm hearing you, and please correct me if I'm wrong or if, 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 you, if it spurns any insight, but it, as opposed to really what is that feeling and what's the life you want to create and who would be the ideal person to partner in the co-creation of that life? Mm, it's, it's a sacred contract that you both enter into. So, and, and again, again, it comes back to that word that you used before, alignment. Yeah. And how you can bring out the best version of each other and how you can support each other and nurture that relationship. And then, like you said, the manifestation of becoming a parent one day and how that brings in a completely different dynamic as well and the relationship changes. And so the second part of your question about abundance and allowing that flow of abundance, the answer to both questions, whether it's manifesting and attracting a relationship or financial freedom and abundance, actually resides in the same statement and that is this that it all boils down to being of service to another human being or other human beings and impact so it actually has nothing to do with you it's more about how you show up and you transform the world and you make it a better place so it's all about that love so with with the abundance of course you're not just going to sit on a mountaintop and expect a million dollars to land in your bank account the way, that, the way that I have manifested my abundance is by having the intention to change lives. And that's where my heart lies. I don't care whether there's a million dollars there or not. I'm all about the, the lives that are changed. Or the, the women that email me and say, Sarah, you gave me the courage to leave my abusive relationship. Um, 
when I was at that Mind Valley event that you mentioned earlier, a woman came up to me and she showed me a picture of her three-year-old son. And she said that had she not stumbled upon my blog or a blog article that I wrote, that her son would have to witness physical violence for the rest of his childhood. And I just, I just felt so humble in that moment that the, the work makes a difference and that my vulnerability was the key to my freedom and ultimately my financial abundance. It evokes for me that notion of what if we, instead of sort of um, exalting the billionaires in the world, uh, those who have amassed the greatest material wealth, we, we exalted the billionaires in, in, in the sense of those who, would, who could potentially impact the lives of a billion people. Um, and that notion of of valuing impact and service is so resonant uh, to me and, and my sensibilities. Um, I, I love that. So, but to, to 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 take it from the why, if you will, or the value, which is so rich of of how can you serve for those who may be, and I think this is one of the. I don't know if epidemics, the right word, epidemics of our time, people feeling that they're not on purpose or they haven't found their why they haven't found their gift in the world, their unique path. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the tools that people can use to get clear, if you will, on what's in alignment for them in their highest service. So from that place, they can attract that abundance. Again, it boils down to that, place of love what do you love to do what could you how do you lose time what activity could you do time and time again and you can show up with a sense of enthusiasm and creativity and inspiration and everybody has a story to share and that's what's really beautiful that there we all have the capacity to teach and uplift other people and it doesn't have to take much either you know so many people think that uh, philanthropy begins with writing out a giant check but it could be donating clothes that you haven't worn in a little while or uh, going down to a soup kitchen or sharing somebody's um, post on social media anything just so it takes it again to that micro moment what can I do now how can I show up and be of service and the other thing Michael that I really want to express here is that we take ourselves way too seriously that that we all think that we are all so wrapped up in what other people think about us. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's a hurdle. It's a hindrance. It stops us from being the best versions of ourselves when we're too caught up in our minds of how am I being perceived? Am I being perfect enough? Am I as good as her or him? Or, you know, and it, it's a waste of time. It's a total waste of time. So, so true. I mean, I, I just did a podcast recently with a friend, Mark, and, you know, he asked me sort of, it's, it's all about authenticity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was like, what's the like vulnerable share that you can like put out there. And, and ostensibly for me, it was that, you know, it was like, I moved from global citizen where, which was, you know, this big, beautiful, beautiful work in the world, but no longer, uh, you know, when my dad was diagnosed with dementia, no longer felt like my work and it was in good stead, Mm -hmm. but to birth that next chapter, which for me, in part evoked by my dad's dementia was much more about, you know, wellness and, and the work within, if you will, in addition to the work without, it felt like, 
wow, this this felt like a massive step down. You know, it was like my ego is like, oh man, this is like, you know, I've gone from, you know, I've gone, from, I've, I've taken a massive step down. And it it was interesting because it was it was it was I read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. Have you read that book? I have. It's beside my bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. But it was it, it was her story of like, well, it was two things. One was her story where she talks about writing Eat, Pray, Love, which obviously, as many of us know, turned into this, like, you know, smash, you know, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, how am I going to replicate that? So you, can't, you don't replicate that success. And, and you'd, be, you'd be hindered from ever doing anything again if you expected what you had to do next to be bigger. And so she talks about that ultimately we're just vessels and how mm-hmm. do we let whatever needs to be birthed through us be born. And maybe that's a cookbook or a coloring book, she said. And I was like... Wow. Okay. So intellectually, I got it there, but it was, and I know you'll resonate with this because in listening to some of your work, you and I sort of referenced the same, the same sort of metaphor, but I was actually at a Fleetwood Mac concert in December and I was watching this tribute to Tom Petty and, Mm -hmm. and I always loved Tom Petty. I had the, I had the option, a friend of mine was hosting a festival that he was performing at. It was literally a phone call away. And I thought, Oh no, I'll, uh, I'll check him out next year. And of course, yeah. he passed away, and I never got to see Tom Petty. Oh. And it was in that concert that I thought, my God, well, one, here's a man who sang his music, but two, I don't want to die with my music still in me. And, and some mm-hmm. opportunities pass you by if you don't seize them. And it was literally at that show where I was like, I'm going to sing my song. It doesn't matter how many people show up to the performance, but I'm going to put it out there. Because I had been recording my podcast for and I was embarrassed to admit this over three years, almost four years, but had never published the episode because I was afraid of what people would think. (laughs) So to bring it full circle, it was like the liberation in sort of surrendering that and being like, all right, doesn't matter. Um, Let's, let's just put it out there because my hope is it's of service. And now Mm -hmm. even, you know, it's, it's a new, it's, it's a new release, but just the feedback that I've been getting and it's such a liberating thing to, to transcend that concern and, 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 and take ourselves, as you said, take ourselves so seriously and, and put ourselves on the field, you know, and, and, you know, I can't remember that famous quote, but you know, it's like, it's not the critic that counts. It's, it's the, the man or woman on the field, basically doing their thing and singing their song. So I, I so resonate with that. And, and thank you for, yeah for bringing that up. How, how do you, how do you stay in that process? Like, how do you, cause all of us are human and we get to a place where, you know, we might start thinking about, Oh, we got a, a critique, whether it be on your podcast or someone says yeah. something negative to you. What do you find? Um, what's your process of coming back to who you are and being in this moment, as you said, which is invaluable. What are your tools for coming back when you feel thrown off by someone else's uh, feedback, energy critique, what have you? Oh, that's, oh, that's a, a great, great question. question. It's, it's taken, taken me a long time to allow myself this space to feel this way. And I still, in all honesty and transparency, I still feel that way sometimes. I get triggered if it's a negative comment or somebody doesn't like something I create. But ultimately, I have to remind myself that what other people think of me is none of my business. It's a projection of where they're at at that point in time. It's like that book, The Four Agreements. The first agreement is not to take things personally. Yeah. And so I try my best not to. <laughs> but in, in terms of like Elizabeth Gilbert not knowing whether her next book's going to be a bestseller as big as Eat, Pray, Love, my children are such a, a grounding force in my life. 
and I didn't have the next child to say, oh, well, I hope this one's better than the last one. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. Yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. You would never think like <laughs> Like, oh, my God, those other three, they were pretty ugly. You know, let's hope this one's a good one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I kept trying. But it, it's not that way because I realized that whatever shows up is perfect and it has a lesson to teach me. And all of my children are very different and they all have these different ways of showing up and almost dismantling my ego. (laughs) And it happens in my relationship too. Like relation, it's not always laughter and, you know, first thing in the morning, last last thing at night, laughter. It's great to have that with somebody. But um, that's my reminder that you can't take any of this with you when you leave the planet. You can't. You know, where we just shuffle up. It's those feelings, it's those memories, it's the love, and that's all that matters. It's not the negative comments. I'm not going to get to my deathbed one day and go, oh my God, that person gave me a thumbs down on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good Oh, well, after next life, I'll come back and I'll change their mind for them. You know, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's, it's such a good relief to think about things, I think, from the perspective, although at times it can feel a little bit morose, but for of your deathbed, you know, and thinking about like, my God, any challenge. One thing I've been playing with, and I knew this intellectually, but I've been really trying to play with it uh, beyond just the intellect and, and, and take it as a, as Dharma or as truth, which is that notion mm-hmm. that, that um, everything is happening for us rather than to us. And yeah. so especially, you know, and every, all of us have unfortunately had traumas or challenges or, you know, people have done or, or, you know, done things that were, you know, not right. Um, but mm-hmm. instead of getting, uh, which is, which is tempting because you can get fed off the narrative of, of victimhood. And, and by the way, this is in no way to mitigate against those who are going through, you know, profound challenges in life. It's simply mm-hmm. to say, I think there is something so powerful when in addition to taking the necessary action around, removing yourself from that context, circumstance, environment, person, what have you, um, in processing it, starting to see some of the challenges as an opportunity for, if you will, compost to create, mm-hmm. create to turn that, pardon me, but shit into, you know, the fertilizer for new gardens and, new, and, 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 a new, and a new way of being and a new form of living. And when I look back on life, I don't, it's, it's right. It's, it's, not those, it's not those traumas or those critics that I'll be thinking of. It's, you know, who's in my garden? You know, who did I, who did I grow with? You know, what mm-hmm. kind of experiences? How did we fertilize each other's soil, so to speak, in terms of like adding value to each other's lives? And what and, and how much laughter again to bring it back to that partnership piece that I realized was so important to me? How much laughter and and grace and 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 goodwill did we did we you know sort of share in each other's lives? Because to me, that's the measure of a good life. That may not be the measure for everyone, but you know, I don't I don't really care if I ever have a Lamborghini in my garage. But I care a lot <laughs> about did I did I leave the world a slightly better place than I than I came into it? And did I you know did I did I dance and have fun? I'm all over the place with my metaphors, but did I dance and have fun with, with, with those that, that meant the most to me? So I, I, I love, I love how you put that. Oh, thank you. Well, I nearly died in 2015. Oh, and that wow. was really a, a turning point to me to go, okay, you may not have survived that. So. Yeah. What, what happened and how did you, how, how was it a relief? Cause I, my own near death experience totally changed me. What, how did it, um, how did it wake you up? So to speak. 
it woke me up in the sense that oh <laughs> that this life isn't a dress rehearsal that that we think we have an indefinite amount of time and perhaps we don't so i was um having giving birth i had a c-section and the anesthetic wore off and so i could feel everything from the waist down and my body went into shock and i began to lose a lot of blood quickly and all of a sudden i you know started to transition <laughs> and uh, that's a conversation for another day for sure but it was hit and miss like I didn't know whether I was going to survive or not and then I woke up and I was very grateful that I had made it through to the other side being coming back to my body into the earth plane and I realized that okay I this whole life thing can be taken away from you in the blink of an eye and that, um, you know, it's such a gift every, and it takes it back to that day by day. You know, I still live this lesson day by day, moment by moment, that it's all such a beautiful gift. So powerful. Uh, I, first of all, I want to acknowledge you. And I want to acknowledge all the moms out there. My, my mom also um, was told that she had two minutes to live because I had my umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. So, <gasps> so did I when I was born. That's no me. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah emergency c-section the doctor the doctor was like you know you've got two minutes and or or i would pass away and she would pass away and so um and you know just shout out to all the moms out there because what you what you all go through to bring us into the world is so uh man i just have so much respect and admiration for um and it's powerful that you had that experience during your c-section because yeah, that was i mean i don't remember it consciously but that was uh that was my first uh i had i had a near-death experience before even coming into the world so it was uh yeah. it, it, it is a it is a reckoning when you think man this this could have this could have this could have all come to pass without you know having the great gift that is the dance through this lifetime i mean you know even with the even with the the challenges and maybe even especially with the challenges what a what a what a powerful opportunity to just relish in 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 this life which is mm. which is a gift yeah oh, that's beautiful oh my gosh <laughs> we went through the same thing yeah, i can't believe that's it great. It's that wild. crazy. It's, that was my first experience, a near-death experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose all birth is in a way, right? Birth and death are these ultimate transition moments. Um, uh, you know, that, uh, well, I don't know what's on the other side yet, but uh, but it, it's, it's this, you know, yeah, it, the, the biggest transitions, the biggest transitions and, and the relief that they are in terms of what they can remind us in terms of how we live. Uh, live our mm. lives, and with that, I, I know I, I want to be mindful of your time. Um, sure. Uh, but but I have a couple final questions, um, mm -hmm. and, and one is it, it, this notion of if you if you had one or two, and this can be I'm gonna it can be a variety of things. So it can be a, a people, it can be a book, mm -hmm. it can be any tool. So if you had one or two tools, people, thoughts that you felt could be of greatest service to the audience in this moment. Doesn't have to be, you know, you know, the the perfect answer. But what what's evoked from you from this conversation and what do you think could be the greatest uh, of greatest service to the audience in terms of two things, people, tools that are up for you right now? Okay. First tool and this will always be my favorite tool in my spiritual toolbox is joy. Because I believe that joy is the currency of consciousness. So do as many things that bring you joy as possible. Mm. So, and it doesn't have to be much. You could, you know, turn on some music and dance around the kitchen. 
or have a warm bath or a nice cup of tea, but bring joy to the moment. That is like the ultimate spiritual goal. <laughs> it is. So, to get all caught up in all the seriousness, it, it really is. Children are great. I mean, great, great teachers. I mean, joy is the truth. Yeah. Joy is the truth. And then the, the second tool is, oh, let's see. So joy and laughter go hand in hand, I believe. Um, oh, this is, re- this is really tough. Service. How can you be of service to others and humanity? How can you show up rather than thinking what can you get from people? Always switch it around. And I don't use universals very often uh, or absolutes, but always ask yourself, how can I show up and give to this person or these people or this planet? <laughs> yeah, leading with giving. It. It's also basically one of the best ways to get out of If you're in a funk or in, in a challenging situation, the fastest way out, in addition to a gratitude practice, is to is to focus out, to be in service. You know, to to go and and give. Uh, it, it it that'll pull you out. You know, I remember when I, sometimes if I'm in a, like a, a, being at a coffee shop and I'm in a bad mood, the first thing I'll do mm-hmm. is I'll buy the person behind me a coffee. Or like you know, if you go volunteer, like all those things, like just being of service and like you know, creating moments of of focusing beyond you. It's, mm-hmm. it's such powerful medicine. Mm, it really is. It really is. It changes everything. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, so okay, that's beautiful. What about what about uh, a book or two? Are there, are there one or two books that you think are really powerful um, teachers that you've read lately or just gotten very excited by? Oh, there's, there's so many, <laughs> so many books. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Uh, Man's Search for Meaning, you mentioned that earlier, Viktor Frankl, I think is an absolute timeless classic that needs to be read. And there's this book called uh, The Impersonal Life. Mm. I think it it was, um, it's a small spiritual text. I can't even remember who the author is. It's a very obscure book about how the universe works through us as us. Mm. Um, And... They're, they're really my top two favorites right now that I can think of. There are a hundred. It's like I have a mental library right now of all of these books when you get to the front of my brain. It goes, pick me, pick me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my top two for the book club right now. <laughs> well, I'm, ex- I'm excited for our next conversation and you and I sharing a little bit more of our, of our favorite books. I will say you mentioned having uh, Big Magic on your uh, bedside table. Yes. I actually yes. have your book, Dear Universe, uh, ah. next to mine because, well, one, I was, uh, you were so gracious to send it to me, but um, two, one of the things I've been, I've been looking to do is to sort of turn off my screens and I've been putting on my, my you know, my, my nighttime glasses to block out the blue light, but, but also re, reinvigorating my practice of reading at night before bed and, mm-hmm. and sort of one of my tricks to getting into peak mind is, is you know turning off from the, the the technological world and turning into our inner world, and your book has been a real a, a real insight in that regard because you can kind of approach it in chunks, uh, which I love. So definitely recommend people uh, check out Dear Universe. And where where Sarah where because we've had such a rich conversation, where can people find you online? Uh, just my website, which is sarahprout.com, or I spend a lot of time over on Instagram, Sarah Prout, or I love Sarah Prout on Facebook. Amazing. And you, you, you build an incredible, I'm, uh, one of these days, maybe our next conversation, we'll find out how you built this whole uh, this universe, <laughs> but 
you know, got almost a million followers on Facebook. I mean, you've really just built this incredible um, group, and I know it's from a place of service. So I just want to honor you for, for, for really, you know, taking your life to the next level. You know, so much of the entrepreneurial culture is about leveling up. You know, and I don't get that that. There, never, I've never gotten the sense from you that it was about sort of this leveling up, but what a manifestation in terms of a testimonial to co- go from, you know, really, you know, being down in debt, which I can totally relate to, and then now mm-hmm. building this, you know, this both financially very abundant universe, but one that serves millions of people around the world and, and doing so from a place of why and doing so in joy and doing so in service to your, your beautiful four children. I just want to honor you, uh, Sarah Proud, for, um, for how you showed up in the world and uh, the way that you're dancing. So I'm so grateful for, for you and for this conversation. Oh, thank you, Michael. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Hopefully it won't be uh, our last. Not at all. I'm so looking forward to connecting again very soon. Yes, indeed. All right, so everyone go out and check out uh, Sarah Prout. And uh, Sarah, until next time, thanks for, for being on Peak Mind. Thank you so much. Okay, bye for now. Bye. And there you have it. Really incredible conversation with Sarah Prout. Absolutely loved uh, talking with her. Super inspired by anyone that can transcend circumstance, especially incredibly challenging circumstance, and recreate their life anew. I think it's uh, an impetus for us all to really assess um, ways in which we can uh, manifest um, our lives in a way that is truly in accordance with our vision and values. So I hope you got a lot of value out of it. Uh, If you did, please go ahead and leave a rating and review um, on iTunes and go check out Sarah Prout's podcast as well. I just did an episode on it and um, I think it's really valuable. Uh, I'll link that up below in the show notes. Um, and, you know, as always, feel free to give feedback. You can hit me up at michael at peakmind.org. Uh, this community means the world to me and I'm so grateful for your time and attention. And uh, with that, please go out there and live your inspired life.